Hey friends, I'm so, so thrilled to be bringing you season three of That's What She Did podcast. That's right, season three of this tiny little podcast that started out as a simple experiment. And here we are with season three. As is our tradition, we are launching during Women's History Month. And this season, I'm bringing you a theme that is unapologetic. Each episode is organized under the umbrella of unapologetic women. These are women unapologetically pursuing whatever lights their fire, both past and present. I'm bringing you stories of these incredible rabble-rousers, truth-tellers, and artists that are lighting fires all over the place, or that history books did not make the appropriate space for. The season is going to be such a good time, and I'm so happy that you're here with me. So buckle up and let's get started. You're listening to season three, episode eight of That's What She Did podcast. I'm your host, Tangier Renee. Now, I have some important news to share with you all right now. We are at season three, episode eight. That means that this season is very nearly at a close. There's only a couple of episodes left. And if you've been following this show for any length of time, then hopefully you know by now that I make this show for you. And at the end of each season, I ask, do you want this show to come back for the next season? If you do, I need you to let me know. I'm only making this show as a service to you guys because these are the stories about the women that I want to hear. The women that are probably never going to have their own talk show, but are still incredible. They're everyday wonder women that most of us are never going to know about. So trying to do my part to tell their stories. And I hope that you enjoy listening to them. But again, I need to know how you feel about it. So there's a couple of ways for you to get in touch with me and let me know if you want this show to come back for another season, season four later this year. One way that you can do that is you can send me an email to that's what she did podcast at gmail.com. Or you can DM me on the gram, the Instagram, one of my favorite places to hang out on the interwebs. So if you're not following us on Instagram, you can find this show at That's What She Did Podcast on Instagram. And you can DM me or leave a comment on one of the posts that's asking if this show should come back for another season. It's really easy peasy. Let a girl know. Stand up, be heard. We need to hear from you. You can also, if you're listening to this on iTunes podcast, then you can just leave a comment in the review section and let me know there as well. Whatever is easiest, but speak up. Let your voice be heard. Before we get started with this episode, I do want to introduce you to this week's guest, and that is Crystal Covington. Crystal is the CEO and founder of Women of Denver, a social enterprise association that's helping professional women from across the country develop their business skills, build their confidence, and earn their worth as business leaders. Now, she launched Women of Denver back in 2014, so not that long ago. And in that time, Women of Denver has grown to thousands and has a national reach. 
It continues to grow and Crystal is on a mission to support 100,000 women in achieving their business goals and becoming business leaders. But this is an organization that I respect because there's so much about connection with the women of Denver. They really are great about bringing people together, bringing women together and connecting them in very meaningful ways while also providing really great professional development opportunities for them. So I'm happy to provide a space for Crystal to tell you a little bit more about her story and what she's up to. Now, keep in mind, she is a brand new mom and she took a little step away from baby to spend some time with us. So thank you, Crystal, for that. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the show, Crystal. How are you today? Awesome. Rested for the first time in a little while. That's amazing that you feel rested at all. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, just came home with a newborn and I had no idea what it actually was going to be like. So the first several days, I think I got like one to three hours of sleep. It was just like nothing. Mm-hmm. And last night I figured out oh, I can, I can do things a little bit differently and there's a little rotation now. So now I had the t- opportunity to probably get maybe three to five hours of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so are you rested or are you delirious? I don't know. What's the difference? <laughs> I have to say, I'm super impressed that you showed up for this recording session because <laughs> when I heard that you had had the baby, I was like, oh, she's obviously going to want to reschedule. So that's what I expected. And then you got back to me and you are like, no, we're, we're good to go. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the show must go on. And this is actually the best time because my husband's home partnering with me and he'll have to go back to work. So <laughs> then, then I might have to cancel. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad that you and baby are doing well. And again, I'm super impressed that you are managing to make time to do this and other things, I'm sure. (laughs) So let's talk about what you do, Crystal. So you're founder of Women of Denver. Yes. Start out by explaining exactly what that is. So Women of Denver is an organization that um, it's evolved over the course of many years. But when I created it, it was to build a a professional network for myself that um, could extend to both my personal and the professional life I was creating my career. Um, I moved to a city with no connections, and it was really important for me to have that because I just said, look, if something happens to me, If I become homeless suddenly, if I lose my job, I don't know who to go to. So I needed to create that. Um, And over time, it's grown and has become um, more of a organized, it's this really organized professional um, organization serving women. And there's women that are both business owners and women who have corporate careers in the group. And they're all coming from diverse industries. So it's like my dream network of people that can support me in every way and I can support them in as many ways as I can. You know, it's like everybody gives back to each other as many ways as they can. And then we're learning at the same time. So it's like professional development junkie, 
um, perfect business. It's the perfect business for a professional development junkie who just likes to continue learning and engaging with other people. Mm-hmm. So you moved to Denver, you said. Yeah. Um, how did you end up in Denver? Um, sometimes I ask myself that question. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious because it was never on the top of my head. I didn't even know what was in Denver. And even my family members still that haven't been here, little by little, they come and visit and they're like, wow, this is not what I imagined. Mm-hmm. Um, the only image I ever had of Denver was from old Nick at Night TV shows. And there was one, I can't remember what show it was, but it was just this, um, it was it was in Bol- set in Boulder. And I just remember the intro of them driving around and nothing looked interesting to me about that place. <laughs> so I was like, uh, so b- basically we came here, um, my husband came here for a business trip and we were just both, sa- I was saying, I'm sorry, you have to go to Denver. Um, that's not going to be fun. And the whole while he was here, he was sending me videos and pictures and going, this is amazing. And <laughs> we're, we're from De- uh, Detroit. So it was freezing there. So I'm wearing my like big parka coat and scraping ice off my windshield. And he's sending me pictures of himself walking the 16th street mall in a light jacket and going, (laughs) wow, this is amazing. The bus is free (laughs) (laughs) and it's not cold. And then he made friends. So it was just all of, all of a sudden it was, it just became the focus. Um, We had a list of places we were going to move and, Denver ended up topping the list because of that great experience of having building relationships with strangers on the street, mm-hmm. um, not being cold in November, and you know just seeing a place that looked like it was booming while we were watching Detroit deteriorating around us. And it mm-hmm. was right before the bankruptcy Detroit had. Not I don't know if people remember that, but we moved here, and then there was this announcement on TV: Detroit's heading into bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. And people kept asking us about it all the time. But that was the the main part of the journey is my husband had come out here and then it became top of the list. And then he found a job um, out here. I came here with no job and um, we just figured it out and found our place here. And, you know, it just became home really instantly. So. I mean, it sounds like when you came to Denver initially, or maybe even before you came to Denver, that entrepreneurship, like founding your own thing, wasn't top of the list, or was it? No, I mean, I have always had entrepreneurial tendencies. So I started my first official business. Well, I I didn't know anything about business. I sure the tax man would not like how I was running what I did because I didn't know I didn't know anything about LLCs and business ownership and stuff like that but I did it in college and I sold lace wigs and I had this little eBay business where I was making money online and there was a lot of money passing through my fingers I wasn't managing it so I had no I have no cash statements or anything I would have to go back through old bank statements to try to figure out how much money did flow through Mm -hmm. my hands at that time um but that failed because I I had to learn a big lesson about um supply and demand um, (laughs) for inventory based businesses. And, you know, but after that, I always had something that I was doing on the side. So I was like the master of the side gig. 
entrepreneurship, but I never really considered myself um, someone who would ever own a small business or something like that. And it just, Denver is a very entrepreneurial place. So Mm -hmm. it became that because of the people I was around who were coaching me and telling me, hey, Crystal, you should do things this way, Crystal. And I would be like, I don't, I didn't know that was even a, I didn't know that was a possibility. I was just doing something that I connected to. And then people said, hey, you know, eventually you're going to have to charge for this because you're spending X because it was costing me money initially to run women of Denver. Um, and people are started coaching me on how to monetize things and where to go with it. And, you know, I get tons of feedback. So I took that feedback and I would just put it into things and it took a lot of growth for me, but it became a business. Um, and then when I got really fed up with the, the world that I was in, as far as the jobs that I that I had and things like that, um, it became my exit and and my gave me the ability to make a decision and decide not to go back to work. What was the catalyst moment for you? When did you say, this is it, I'm going all in? Oh, it was just, it was a really big push factor. So I had gone through, I had worked for a company previously that had been my dream job and then they went through a bunch of changes I had a terrible leader who was really horrible to me and then I had left that company to go to work for another company thinking that it was going to be fairy tale land but there was no fairy tale there and I thought okay so clearly there's no fairy tale and I was quite disappointed in the way I was continuing to feel this sense that I wasn't in I wasn't enjoying my journey anymore And then the big catalyst was a moment when I got sat down. Granted, I am a director (laughs) and I got sat down and told that the few times that I leave the office during the day, um, during a month. So we have one Women of Denver event a month during the daytime. And then every now and then I go, I like to go to things or, you know, go to other workshops or go to speak somewhere or something like that Mm -hmm. but it's not you know i worked i was working my um you know hours uh you know more than 40 hours i traveled for the company and all this kind of stuff and i just found it completely appalling to be told that i need to be in a chair from nine to five in order to be a good employee when i'm contributing i'm doing a good job but um so i was i was just i was done i just looked at my boss, I said, yeah, I'll be good. And I figured out (laughs) how to be good for three more months while I saved up money. And then I was like, peace out. (laughs) That's a pretty good catalyst moment where you're like, excuse me, you don't actually own me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would have, I think I'm, I'm more, I think I probably have much more of a temper than you and I probably would have quit on the spot, but that's me. <laughs> oh, if you have more of a temper than me, you would have quit after day 10. Oh. <laughs> there, I got in trouble then. <laughs> yeah, I probably would have lasted. But I want to ask you about entrepreneurship specifically, um, because we're in this time where it's sexy now to yeah. be 
to be able to call yourself an entrepreneur. Like, this is the thing that I'm doing, and I'm an entrepreneur now. The reality of it is much different than, like, whatever curated thing you see on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. Yeah. Um, so what are your thoughts about just about that, about the, the sudden and what I would call inexplicable sexiness of people wanting to be entrepreneurs and I think oftentimes being completely um, lacking in understanding of the reality of it. Yeah. I think that one of the most interesting things about women of Denver has been the fact that I have exposure. I never, I was never around this many entrepreneurs or wantpreneurs as some people call them. Um, And my exposure to them, it was always so surprising sometimes early on, but people would come to me and they would say, well, can you help me figure out? It was always at the last, at the very end when they were running out of money and they're like trying to figure out how do I survive the next few days where I can't pay my bills. And they would talk to me and I would be really surprised that so many people um, fell into what they fell into um, and they all had the same story. So I would quote the story back to them. They would start talking to me and they wouldn't reveal right away that they don't have any money or that I had to start figuring this out. Mm-hmm. But they would say, hey, Crystal, I'm just looking for any advice on how can I stand out, get more speaking engagements or um, get more opportunities to get in front of people. And then I'd say, oh, okay. Um, And then I'd ask a few questions and then I would just quote back their true story. I would say, okay, so it sounds like you got into this because you were passionate about it. You maybe you you didn't like your job. It wasn't working out. You didn't want to stay in corporate anymore. And but you didn't know how to run a business and you didn't realize that it was going to be this challenging and you didn't have money set aside. So now you're on your last leg and you're trying to figure out how can you get some sales? Is that right? And they would go, Oh my God, yes. Did you read my mind? And oftentimes they'd start crying. And it's like, I kept seeing the same story over and over again. And I started coming up with advice that was start was actually helping people. Um, but the, it it really hurts my heart um, that so many people have this happen to them. And it is because we're so exposed to this glamorous vision on social media of what, a, what an entrepreneur is. And these people tell this story. And I think half the time it's a bogus story because when you dig a little deeper, you find out they had some sort of resources. They had you know mm-hmm. a family member that helped them out or but these people don't know that she blazed her trail without any cash. Mm. So if they knew that, I think a lot of people would either tread more lightly into entrepreneurship or not do it at all. Um, because they're really, they're really not trained in, you know, they don't know finance. They don't know, um, the things like taxes. I've, I've learned so many things about how, um, businesses fail and even taxes, is one of them because they can't pay their taxes Mm -hmm. because people don't know, um, you know, your business makes, you know, fluctuating money throughout the year, but you have to be ready to pay uncle Sam. The IRS (laughs) doesn't care. (laughs) If you made money or you have, and you have to pay for the seat, you know, somebody to do the tax accounting, all those kinds of things, the bookkeeper. Um, So there's just a lot of things that, aren't thought about. And I've just seen so many people fall into that trap. So I did not fall into that trap only because I had failed already in college. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and with my business, I had been running it for a very long time. Um, when I quit my job, I had been running it for at, at least, I have no sense of time at this point, <laughs> but it, it was at least three years in and it had a salary, not a salary, but it had an, in, a revenue that was about half my salary. So it wasn't going to pay me what I was making. I was going to have to supplement with other things. Um, but I had an established income source with it and I knew it could make money. So it was proven for multiple years before I actually stepped out. I didn't just say, oh, I'm going to start this women's network and go for it and spend all my time and see how it goes because I would have gone broke. Mm-hmm. So help me understand what is the scale of women's women of Denver today? How would you measure your impact so far? Um, it's actually really hard for me to know. It's one of those things where I find out all the time that people know about what we're doing. So I have this goal of reaching a hundred thousand women. Um, And it's hard to measure that. Mm -hmm. So the things that I'm looking at are in my head, I think about social media following, but there's a, or, or people on the newsletter list and things like that. But there's a lot of people that will never click follow on social media and they're never going to join the email list. So it's hard to track, but I know so many people know about what we're doing. So many people, thousands of women have been to our events there's thousands, tens of thousands of readers on the magazine. So we have a magazine and that's the easiest way for me to track because I know um, people are reading it and I can see that there's traffic there. There's actual, you know, there's people reaching out constantly, um, even from many other states, you know, PR people and things like that mm-hmm. saying, hey, my people want to talk to your people. So can can my you know, people that represent executives and major speakers will reach out and say, hey, we want to find out if you have opportunities for our client to speak at your events or for us to be featured in your magazine or for us to be featured on your website. So our impact is big enough that people in other states reach out. If they want to have a uh, connection with, you know, Denver women um, uh, business leaders, they reach out to women of Denver. We've had sponsors um, that reach out. They're global companies or national companies. Um, And we've had people pay for sponsorship that are not in Denver. So our reach is national um, as far as how big we are. We've even had members who are from other states. So I would say that maybe I'm a third of the way to my 100,000 goal but I could be halfway there. <laughs> could be. <laughs> <laughs> I could be. I don't know. But the re- the reach and scale is great. And we keep, um, we have a lot of people that come to our events. We have um, hundreds of members. and um, But the main thing for me is just really having that solid impact of people reading what we're putting out there, being connected to the um, the mission, being connected to the content that we create. And having links in the chain all over the place. Mm -hmm. So why this? I mean, there's, you you said you were, you know, trying to 
build a network for yourself and it blossomed and became what is now Women of Denver, which continues to evolve. But there's lots of ways to build networks right, that don't involve magazines or an actual company. So why this? Why do you do what you do? It gives me the opportunity to use all of my creativity. So there's a lot of things that I could do. I like doing a lot of things. I I also do marketing on the side a little bit and PR. I like anything creative, but Women of Denver kind of touches all of my major spaces. That thirst for constant learning, the love of I, I like being um, able to influence and, and make change with people and just being able to have people tell me that something I put out there, whether or not it was me that said it or, you know, whether or if it was something that I put together, like an event that they attended that changed their life, I'm making an impact. So I get to feel that I used to be. Um, I still do volunteer a lot, but the only impact, the only way I knew to make an impact before was through volunteerism. And I would do any sort of mentorship program or participate in um, things where I could visibly make an impact on other human beings and see it Um, or be with a, a volunteer group where we all knew where we were sharing this moment of doing something that was, um, just changing the world. Mm -hmm. And so that's always been part of who I am. Um, The biggest part of who I am is just that give, uh, just a giver. I had to work on the money portion and actually caring about business and income and things like that. And that came after I realized, um, oh, okay, money is important. (laughs) You need to pay your bills. You need to be able to, um, you know, live in a nice place and pay medical bills and eat good food and all those kinds of things. So I have to care about money because I have to, but the giving back piece is what comes naturally for me and being able to see other people smile. So, um, I do what I do because it changes people's lives, um, really impacts them because when you see their, career grow and the sense of accomplishments, the sense of accomplishment people get. Um, You see somebody, you know, start getting their first clients and they are giddy. They're like, they, they can't believe that it's happening for them or even little messages that I've given people where they, I'm a resource to so many. And I've had people come to me and say, why is people that have okay businesses and they say, Crystal, why is my business not where I am? I can't eat off this yet. We talk about it. And then they'll come back to me months later and say, Hey, that advice you gave me um, really meant a lot. And it actually changed my perspective. And now I'm thriving. And those things make that they make my world. So is that how you define your impact by those more individual That's, conversations that you're probably not writing down and tracking anywhere. Yeah. I, I'm not writing down or tracking any of that, but I keep it in my heart, but yeah, that's how I, those are the things that make me feel like my life matters and the things that I'm doing matters. Mm-hmm. The other things make sense that I, the, the other metrics um, are important and I look at them regularly. I have a regular schedule of looking at the finances, looking at the growth. I have 
this chart that I need to get done for first quarter <laughs> that, you know, where I'm, you know, mapping out and charting how we're doing um, as far as growing as a company, because even, even with things like nonprofits, the, the fl- cash flow money, all those things are very important. And so the, the, the flow has grown every year. Um, it's been significant growth each year. And so I'm proud of that as well. That's mm-hmm. a big, a big win. But the thing that matters the most is the fact that I get to live a life of making that impact that I like to make with individual people. Hmm. So I want to ask you, I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to ask you about your experience in creating Women of Denver as a woman of color in Denver. I think, why well, I would guess that coming from Detroit, there may have been some culture shock there because Denver is such a different place. Um, and one thing that I hear, you know, I'm from Denver, but one thing that I hear from people of color that move here or have never been here, they're like, but it's so white. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, well, yeah, it is. (laughs) That's true. And so I think what I've seen is like, there's these, I I, I see people of color coming here and having good experiences, but also coming up, experiencing challenges as a result of that Mm -hmm. dynamic. What was your experience like, or what has it been like? I feel like it's been a benefit to me. Mm -hmm. So in Detroit, it was a benefit. I, 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 in Detroit, one of the biggest um, things that I did was being involved in the city government and things like that. And I always really fit in. And so it was a, I didn't grow up, I grew up in a small area that was, um, you know, I didn't grow up in a big city like Detroit, but when I got involved there, it was a little intimidating at first. And I had to start getting involved in politics and government for my job. And it it was just this beautiful dynamic where I started, I I would get opportunities because my bosses kind of knew, okay, well, they'll relate to her. They really like her. And I think some of the opportunities that I got there that made me who I am today, opportunities to go present for government, um, you know, and to take part in meetings and things like that. They came because the team there was, I mean, I was, was I the only, there were two of two minorities in that company. Um, I think, yeah, it's been a while, but there were there. I was the person of color on the team that knew what was going on and could go do these presentations. And I think they took that, they took advantage of that and said, okay, we're going to put her here. Mm-hmm. And so I got those opportunities there. So I went from benefiting from being the um, African-American person in the office um, in that situation to coming here. And then I benefited because then people said, oh, my gosh, there is a woman of color who is leading this organization. I'm going to join that. one," Or I get a lot of opportunities to speak. And sometimes people are very straightforward about it. And they just say, hey, um, we really love the fact that you're a young woman of color that has influence in the city. And so the opportunities grew partly because of that. That's part of my story. Mm-hmm. So woman who you know, starts women's group is a normal story. And there's so many women's groups that started after, like around the time and after I started mine. Mm-hmm. And I have gotten so much press. Um, 
and so many opportunities to be featured because of the fact that I am the I am a woman of color and that's what makes my story unique. So I think um, while I know that it is for some people, it can be really uncomfortable to be the only it can be it can feel like it doesn't help you. But for me in this particular situation of, you know, the way I built influence and the way I um, uh, promoted my business and things like that and the, the impact that we're making, I had the opportunity to have it be a, a, um, it was an advantage Mm -hmm. for me in the end. And a lot of people have let me know that, um, by saying, Hey, we're inviting you here because you're a woman of color. We're giving you this because you're a woman of color. We're sponsoring you because you're a woman of color. And we want to, um, show that we put our money where we want to, um, prove we support, we support that. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree. I think it's an asset. Um, I I can respect when an organization is honest and says, you know, we care about diversity and inclusion, so we are coming directly to you for that. Yeah. I also think that it's really indicative of the need to create space for women of color in whatever space. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because otherwise it wouldn't be so unusual. Yeah. I mean, the fact that it stands out so much that I continue to get so much prep, so much attention because of it lets me know there's just not enough of us. I mean, Mm -hmm. there, there are um, executives and at these companies that are literally tasked to sit at their desk and try to figure out how can we invest in diversity initiatives or, you know, show that we care about this or that and, and put our money here and there. And the the fact is, I've had several of them say, yeah, we did a Google search and I tried to find things and you're the only one that popped up. <laughs> and <laughs> so um, I, I look at it and I say, well, that's that's definitely an asset. I have great SEO. Yeah. Great. But um, here's a few more that you can reach out to that I know. <laughs> so um, be it's just, it's hard for them to find and they'll give, you know, they'll look at that stuff and they'll try and they might just go to their boss and say, Hey, I haven't figured it out, but uh, here's the chamber what we can put, you know, we put our money there. Let's so. I mean, that's <laughs> so funny. And it's, more. it's, uh, it's great for you, right? You have good SEO and it's great that you're getting those opportunities. But I also think about that executive sitting in their office and I'm just like, you're lazy. <laughs> Oh, but they're not. They're they're trying. They will invite. I have taken so many meetings because I want to help. I have if I have the time, you know, I'm going to go and support. And I've had several companies just picking my brain. And I figure it's a benefit to me long term to build those relationships and be a resource. Sure. That's how I built my business, you know, being a resource to other people with, you know, if, if it's a small time investment. Um, help somebody mm-hmm. and these companies need help, but I, they will sit there with a pen and pad, pad you know, pen, pad and paper, pen and paper, go- goodness gracious. And they'll say, okay, so what do we do? Um, like even one of them, it was a city. I'm not going to say what city, but I, I was called into a city for a pick your brain session. And they're like, what do we do? We want to bring in more women and minorities so how do we post our job differently? And I said, have you thought about reaching out to these other organizations? There's a black chamber of commerce. There's a, 
Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. There's, you know, all these different organizations. I can give you a list. And they were just, oh, my goodness, thank you so much. (laughs) And all they, I mean, they literally just needed to go and post the job. Just um, I said, just send your job to those organizations and ask them to put it in their newsletter or something. That way you can pull in some candidates from the, they have access to these resources. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why it makes me laugh because I'm like, if you're like, okay, we are going to increase inclusion and diversity in our organization. And your only response is to go to Google and like Google black women in Denver. Then I think it is lazy. (laughs) They don't. Come on, they you don't guys. know these things exist. They, they've <laughs> never been recruited. We meet them. So I go places and they say, hey, I'm from the you know Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Would you like to join? I'm like, sure. I mean, I get offers that what's what's amazing is all the different um, groups like it, even if it's not I've been invited to, you know, join groups for Asians, groups for Latina women, all these different things, because they are looking to diversify. Mm-hmm. So it's like they want to bring in people from all these different places. But I always wonder, like, I don't know if maybe their recruiting practices are diverse, too, because these people, when I talk to them, it's like they've never heard of it. But I've heard of all of them. Like they reach out, they'll they'll find me on Facebook and say, hey, I'm on the board with, you know, this chamber and that chamber. It's like, um, you know, so I know about them all because they reach out to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, want to have these things. So I I give them grace in the fact that I figure maybe no one's ever reached out to them and said, hey, do you want to visit or join this, you know, minority organization and check us out? But um, if and Google maybe isn't a great Google is what we go to for everything. So it's what I would probably go to if I didn't have access. But it takes for people like us to be, I feel like it takes for uh, somebody that's a real person that they can connect with Mm -hmm. to sit down with them and teach them. Like these are the resources and this is how you can search because they just seem so lost. But I'm appreciative that these people, these company leaders and, and folks that are trying to create this diversity, you know, I appreciate that they reach out and I appreciate that they're actually asking the questions and trying to figure out, what am I missing here? Mm-hmm. And then we can sit down and be honest and I can remind them, please don't just go to your friends and your network because your friends and your close network are going to look just like you. So you have to go outside of your friends and your network. You have to look for resources just like you're doing right now, you know, to make sure that you're creating those, um, those new pathways and mm-hmm. it just blows their minds. So I have so much fun doing those um, conversations because I learn a little bit more every time. And I've learned to be really empathetic um, to to a point, um, but empathetic to the fact that they're trying and they just don't know. And they have questions. And I let it be an honest conversation as much as, you know, like be respectful, but we'll be honest, mm-hmm. you know, about what, is, what are the challenges and, you know, what have you tried? What have you not tried? What are you scared to try? Um, and also inviting those people to do things like join a group that they wouldn't have joined. I had um, a couple of friends that are... Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) non-minority and um and they went with me to a um an event they were 
they're really open people. And I invited them to an event that was on the topic of race. And it was like this big room full of people. It was through the um, Black Women for Political Action. Mm-hmm. And Black Women for Political Action offers a um, advocate membership for people who it's like specifically targeted to people who do want to continue the conversation. They want to be a part of things and they want to feel like it's okay. And I thought that was brilliant that they had that membership. So those two people that came with me, they joined, they joined black women for political action and um, they started paying attention. So now they were getting the emails and now they could see there were more events like that. Mm -hmm. And it was just this great exposure. They were so excited about it. Um, so I feel like that's one of the things that we all can, you know, we can do to bring them in is just like invite our friends to these things that are really almost uncomfortable. I I was almost uncomfortable that they were there. Um, (laughs) I can see that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cause it's like, okay, I feel like you may not know the context, but you know, but that opens them up and then inviting them to be a part of it and saying just because this says you know black women doesn't mean you can't be a part of it so Mm -hmm. that you can learn and then be an advocate and help and bring more wisdom to others um, and learn the language of what to say and do to help um, you know help other people connect to one another right beyond you know race and gender and everything Mm -hmm. fair enough sounds good (laughs) <laughs> I like it. Maybe I can, uh, I'm, I'm working on grace actively. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. I had, I had a moment where I used to be so resentful of people that, I mean, in college we had a, we, I went to college in a, I mean, it was basically in the cornfields, but it's, <laughs> it's definitely grown now. So I haven't been to, back to my college, but back then there was, it, just a lot of ignorance to Mm -hmm. the point that, you know, I, I thought I was some sort of, um, I, I was always standing up for something, hosting marches. I did public service announcements on the TV because we were with this, I was on the um, club with the TV station and everything. And we did this um, PSA where it was, the slogan was not on our campus. And I got this diverse group of people to come together and talk about why, because um, we had some racial attacks going on on the campus, um, not like really huge stuff, but people spray painting or writing things on people's dorm room doors that were hurtful. Mm-hmm. People putting things in the new, because Facebook was brand new, you know, so then people writing things on Facebook and it was, Facebook was for colleges at the time. Mm-hmm. So you would find something um you know, racially motivated on Facebook and it becomes this big issue. And everybody knows, everybody can find each other because we're all on the same campus. Mm -hmm. So it was just, there was a lot happening. So at that time, I became very much just this community advocate, always trying to stand up, find whoever wrote that and (laughs) talk to them, you know, face, you know, messaging them via Facebook and talking about why did you do this? Why we need to have the context. We need to have a conversation. You need to come to this black meeting. And (laughs) oh my goodness, I was, I was so much back then. And I learned a lot back then about what really helps make the change and how people um, that are like those people that were 
doing what they were doing, you know, how they think and where they were coming from. So the empathy helped me understand a little bit more about how to impact them and help me understand that it takes a long time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not an instant thing. I can't just yell at you. (laughs) (laughs) You can fix it. And it takes more than a PSA on the campus TV saying not on our campus to get people to stop. Um, But it's such a journey. It is. (laughs) And I vacillate sometimes. (laughs) I'm trying to vacillate back to calm, collected. (laughs) (laughs) I get that. Especially right now. It seems like there's so much conversation and people, I don't know, through the, the, I guess, social media and things like that make it very easy to hide. Um, People hide behind those things Mm -hmm. that, you know, you just get, I feel like I see it too clearly in front of me it used to be one of those rare things where you meet someone and they say something really ignorant and you go oh you need to be schooled mm-hmm. and now I just feel like I see it all over the internet and I'm like why well, can't school all these people at the same time <laughs> dang <laughs> yeah. no kidding um so Crystal I know that you have a big event coming up for women of Denver Yes. So this one's really great for my sisters in startups, um, anybody entrepreneurial, and even those who work for, if it's a, you know, company you own, or whether you work for a company and your job entails, you know, business development, understanding how to grow sales and improve the company performance, things like that. Um, It's called Start Up the Fire. It's on June 14th from 9am to 2pm. Um, at Rhino Industry Station, um, Industry Station in Rhino. And we have tickets available at summersummit.wodevents.org, or you can just go to thewomenofdenver.com and find the links to be able to sign up for that. But it's a very great event. We have women coming to share their stories of um, how they succeeded in, in growing a business. Everybody's on the journey. So they're all, they're still experiencing ups and downs, of course, but these people have, um, one launched a national gluten-free bread company. One launched an amazing Academy. Um, that is a, it's a really amazing private school with great, um, features and benefits. I am totally sending my kids there (laughs) and there's, um, a marketing automation training. We have a sales panel. We have an investor panel. So tons of really great um, knowledge pieces that you're going to need to succeed in business are going to be available there. So it's just a really great event to participate in. Um, so again, that's June 14th. And um, I hope to see everybody there. Say the name of the event again. It's called Start Up the Fire, Women of Denver's um, Summer Summit. Start Up the Fire. Wonderful. And I will make sure to link to that in the show notes for everyone so you can grab your ticket before it's gone. Um, One last question for you, Crystal. It's a question I'd like to ask everybody, and it's who are the women that are inspiring you now? Um, The women that are inspiring me are women that I meet on a regular basis that are doing such awesome things. So some of the women that are going to be on my stage, like 
the at the startup the fire felicia jones amazing woman she's been traveling the globe speaking the gospel of one money which women need to focus on she teaches people how to budget how to you know grow their um, income and really be um, focused on that financial piece and she talks about women um, girls um, getting into stem and really respecting their knowledge and saying i'm good at math she just did a ted talk on that Mm -hmm. um some of the women um such as the gluten-free victoria's gluten-free kitchen i eat her bread i loved watching her journey i've talked i I met her as a member and um have been watching her grow and now she's got national distribution for her for her product and she hustled her and her husband they hustled to create this and just watching people start building businesses that make millions and just living their dreams at the same time so I just love watching people in my circle because it's one thing to see somebody from afar and you go, oh, that's really cool. That's a great story. But when you can touch them and can sit and listen to them tell their talk about their journey, it just means so much more. And the biggest privilege of what I do is having that opportunity to really connect with them in person and hear these women's stories and um, and be able to share that story through my platform as well. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, folks, check out Crystal. Crystal, other than um, getting tickets for your summer summit, where can our listeners connect with you? Um, you could follow me everywhere at Crystal Go Lead, Crystal with a K. Great. I will, as usual, link to that in the show notes for all of our listeners here. Make sure that you go find out more about the Start Up the Fire, the Summer Summit put on by Crystal and Women of Denver on June 14th. Sounds like it's going to be great. I'm going to try to make it if I can. Um, Thank you for your time today, Crystal, especially carving some time out with new baby in the house. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity to chat. It's always great to chat with you. And um, I love everything that you're doing and watching your journey. Oh, thanks so much. I appreciate you. You have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks, we are out of here. We got to let Crystal get back to the baby. (laughs) Until next time, you know, I want you to check out Women of Denver, connect with Crystal and find out more about Start Up the Fire, the Summer Summit put on by women of Denver. It sounds like it's going to be great. Hope we can see you all there. Till next time we are out of here. Go be great.